Praise the Lord. <coughs> um, yeah, we're looking in Judges 6, if you've got your Bible. Judges chapter 6. And, um, and this band is called Gideon. And the book of Judges is what I call, when you look at the church in the days of the Judges, is like a roller coaster. One minute it's on a high, and the next minute it's a spiritual low. And uh, from, from the death of Joshua, Israel, God's house, God's church, really struggled because of a God, a Canaanite God, called Baal. And if you remember when King Barak hired, hired Balaam, didn't he, at the entrance to Canaan, to curse Israel, you remember Balaam and the donkey and all that business and the donkey speaking and, and all that. And so you've got this theme in scripture of Baal. But this has implications as it had for the church then, as it's got implications for the church now. Because what is a shadow and a type turns up in present day. History's got a way of repeating itself. There's nothing new under the sun. All the, all the dirty news that turns up in the media now is the same dirty news that was around in Gideon's day. It's just history repeating itself. The wages of sin is death. And this God of Baal is a really horrible God, and I won't go into the details of it, because it's really gory and really horrible. I don't think it's very edifying. So all I'll stick to is what the scripture tells us. And um, it says in Judges 6.1, And the children of Israel did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord. And the evil was worshipping Baal. Right? They worship God, yes, supposedly, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they also worshipped Baal. And, and so what the scripture says here, the children of Israel, the house of God, or we could say the church, did evil. And unfortunately, we live in a church today that's not much different. And, but there's a company of people. There's people like Gideon who are not very happy about it. And we want to be a Gideon. And we don't want to be happy about it. We want there to be change. You see, if God can get hold of you and me to identify the problem, then we can get something from God to put the problem right. But if you don't know you've got a problem and you think it's okay, well, you're just going to live in compromise from one generation to another and you're never going to go anywhere or get out of the hole in the pit you're in spiritually. But you see, this is the point. I mean, if I read to you uh, what Paul says in um, Galatians Galatians chapter 6. 
he says, let every man prove his own work in verse, verse, verse 4. And then she'll have rejoicing in himself alone, not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that teacheth good things. Be not deceived. The deception that's in the church today is a type of Baal. There are other things as well, but... And he says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. God will not tolerate false worship. He won't. He won't follow. He won't. There'll be no anointing in the church. There'll be no power in the church. There'll be no signs and wonders in the church. Because God is not being honoured. Because there's something in the church that God hates. And your life and my life, the work of sanctification is to get that out of our lives. And for some of us, I can testify it's been a bit of a job. I don't really like myself at times. But God is very merciful to me. And thank God he is merciful. Because if it wasn't for his mercy, I wouldn't be here. But he is merciful. We have a great high priest. As we said yesterday, his name is Jesus. And then he says, For he, uh, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh, what? Reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't faint. So you can see that Paul is very specific about these things. And in this book of Judges, I, I've been, we have been studying this for some weeks now. We've been weeks on this. So I can just give you just a little a highlight so that you can go home and look at it yourself. <laughs> you know, you can, you can let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And the, and this tra- the tragedy is in this first verse, it says, they did evil and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the enemy. See, you put the enemy in your house, something you're doing that's ungodly, that gives the enemy a right to come in because you're ungodly in your house. And so you've got to deal with it, haven't you? And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites that made them dense, which are mountains, caves, and strongholds. They were living in dens. I remember as a boy having a den. Somewhere to hide so my mother couldn't find me. <laughs> Go and smoke some craven A in there so my mother didn't know I was in there. <laughs> and then I come back and my mother say, You smell. What have you been doing? <laughs> you were not supposed to be in dens. <laughs> we're supposed to be in the house of God. <laughs> Dens and caves and strongholds. Yeah, and you know, you can read this. I, at the time, I, I can't read it all. And it, you know, down to it. And they come to verse 6. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the enemy, the Midianites. Now, there are a lot of people in trouble, aren't there? 
You know, God's house is supposed to be a house of joy, isn't it? House of feasting, a house of rejoicing, isn't it? Because wherever Jesus is, it's wonderful. Wherever his presence is, it's glorious, isn't it? But you go into some places and you think, somebody's going to choke me in here. I remember going to one Pentecostal hall and I had to help in a funeral. There was three of us. And when I got up to speak, I felt somebody was choking me like this. I thought, what is this, Lord? And the Lord said to me, you see, over this church is written Ichabod. Do you know, as we said last night, you can grieve the spirit. You can say you believe something, but what is in your heart? Oh, yeah. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? And it says, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Oh, yeah. Sometimes God has got to put you in a corner, allow the enemy. And then you say, why are you in this corner? Why am I like this, Lord? Well, you stupid person, you put yourself in the corner by listening to the enemy. But thank God they cried. And you know, God, as we said before, hears the cry of his people. He does. He's merciful, isn't he? Our Father God. He is merciful. And he cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord sent them a prophet. Yeah, I'm always a bit wary of prophets, actually. But anyway, I'm not a big one on prophets. I've seen so much wacky prophecy that... Anyway, he sent them a prophet which said to them, I brought you out of Egypt, brought you forth out of the hand of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of the oppressed, and drave them out before you and gave you this land. And listen to this verse. Like, this is verse 10. And I said to you, I am... This I am again. I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites. And you notice this statement. In whose land ye dwell. You notice the previous verse it says. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. Out of the hand of all the oppressed. And drave out them before you. And gave you their land. You can only possess what God has given you if you do what God says. Isn't it? You abuse what God has given you and you'll lose it. You will. Notice that statement. He says, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now this prophet wasn't very helpful. He just told them what was wrong. Like a lot of prophets. But thank God something further happened. It says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is an Ophrah, that pertaineth to Joash, the something or other, and his son Gideon, oh, thresh wheat, is on the threshing floor again, by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And when he was there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. <laughs> this is the Lord coming to us. 
and saying to us, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And he asked this question, where be all the miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered hands of the Midianites. And the Lord said to Gideon, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor, and Manasseh I am the least, and so on. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And Gideon says, If I find grace in it, show me a sign, it says. And he goes out, and Gideon prepares an offering. A kid Eleven cakes, an ether of flour, flesh in a basin, and he presents this offering to the Lord. And in verse 20, the angel says to him, Take the flesh, the cakes, and lay them on the rock, and pour out the broth. He did so, and the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff, touched the flesh and the cakes, and a fire rose out of the rock, consumed it, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now that was a sign to Gideon, the fire that his offering was accepted. So now Gideon is on a spiritual progression. You see, when, you've, when you're in the hands of something, this stronghold, that's destroying your life, whatever that is, you need to get a word from God. And now God is leading Gideon how to get out of this stronghold, the Midianites, the enemy in the church. And God will lead you and I in our daily walk to know how to deal with the things that are trying to stop you and I having that flame of fire burning in us so that when we come together, there will be an explosion of power. The tabernacles of God and we'll see the glory being manifest in his people. And I'm coming to see that he did the right thing. He had an offering, and the fire came down. And the Gideon perceived it was an angel and said, Lord, peace be unto you. Fear not, thou shalt not die. And in verse 24 it says, Gideon built an altar unto the Lord. Now his house, his father's house, Joash, his father, they didn't have an altar unto the Lord, but they had an altar unto Baal. These are God's people with an altar unto Baal. Come on. There's something wrong, isn't there? And you see, the subtlety of the enemy, the deception of the enemy is you can put another altar in your life where it's not the altar of the Lord, but it's something else that you're concentrating on in your life that's taking your worship away, as we said from Colossians, holding the head, Christ. It's what is known, Paul says in Colossians, vain deceits. What is deceitful is deceptive. And something is deceptive, you don't know it's really wrong, because it's deceived you, you understand? And probably Joash didn't think there was anything wrong with this altar of Baal. Because everybody else had this stupid altar of Baal. 
but they shouldn't have. And and so this is the this is the word of the Lord, and we got in this verse here, 24, one of the revelations of the names of God. And it comes to Gideon, and it's Jehovah Shammah. See it? And it is the Lord our peace. When you're in the midst of a storm, you don't know what to do, you need peace. And the word that now comes when he built that altar was Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is our peace because he broke down the middle wall, the petition that was between us and heaven, and he broke down that veil. And he says to you and me, you can enter in, as we read in Hebrews, and you've got access to the place where you can ask, you can seek, and you can knock and you can find. Yeah, because we've got it. We've been made, as we said yesterday, we've got a new and living way designated, all planned for us. But we've got to know that, haven't we? But until, until Gideon built, gave that offering, it didn't come to him to build an altar. So it's one step at a time. You have to bring an offering. And he brought that offering and it says, Jehovah Shalom. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, and this is the boldness, this is where faith comes in. This is where faith got to come into your life. You, you talk about you want a breakthrough, well, you're going to have to do something with faith. Because this took faith. And you notice now what begins to happen. You take your father's young bullock, even this, the second bullock of seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father throw down the altar that that thy father hath and cut down the grove that is by it and build an altar to the Lord on the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock. So he got this bullock, tied it to this altar and got the whole thing dragged down at night when nobody was around. And he took the second book and he offered... The burnt offering, the wood of the grove, it cut down, and it took ten men, ten of his servants to do all this work, which means quite a lot of stuff. And it says in verse 28, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, and the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cast down, and the bullock offered us upon the altar, they said to him, Who had done this thing? And they said, Gideon, the son of Joash. And they said, bring him out that he may die. Yeah. Good religious sort of activity, that, isn't it? Killing people. Isn't it? How is that possible that this church that had an altar of Baal, and when somebody did something right, oh, we're going to kill him? You know? But we, what does church history say to us? They put John Bunyan in prison for 12 years. What did the man do wrong? Good job they did. We got Pilgrim's Progress out of it and a lot of other books. Yeah. You know, God's got ways and means of getting you in a corner, so you write the stuff that lasts for centuries. Isn't it? Paul was put in prison, and we got all these epistles. Probably wouldn't have had them if he was traveling all the time. He'd been too busy. 
But thank God we got it. <laughs> if you suffer with him, you'll be glorified with him. I bet. Yeah, you will. And we suffer for the gospel, but thank God we get the glory, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and we can shout and praise God. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. So the men of the city said, bring him out and kill him. He said, and Joes, the father said, will you plead for Baal? Will you save this God, Baal, and let him be put to death? If he's a God, this Baal, let him plead for himself. <laughs> Quite right. Therefore, on the day he called Jerubbabel, saying, let Baal plead for himself. And then the Amalekites were all gathered together and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. Do you know when you start to do something spiritual like this, and start to get somewhere, and pull down the altar again and burn all his artifacts, the enemy started amassing in the valley. The enemy was getting annoyed now. <laughs> but do you know, God was setting up the enemy to destroy him. <laughs> when you obey God and get rid of the Baal, things would start to happen. You notice this verse now, verse 34. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And this is what the Scripture says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Didn't come on him before, but it came on him now. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, everything becomes a lot easier. (laughs) A lot easier. Yeah, you know, you can work everything out. But if you've got the Spirit of the Lord upon you, things just come to you like this. Bang, 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 bang. It's like an instant download into your spirit. Now it comes. Boom. And that's what the Spirit of the Lord does to us. Why we're anointed. We must be anointed. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he blew a trumpet. And they all gathered unto him. Now, this Baal business, just to go back a bit and to explain this to you, you remember when it's in Exodus. Let me find it for you. In Exodus 32, remember Moses went up the mount. Do you remember he went up the mount? And when he was up the mount, he didn't come down for a long time, and they thought, is he ever going to come down? And so, it says in 23, For they said to Aaron, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, this man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, well, Moses did not bring them out of the land of Egypt. The Lord brought them out of the land of Egypt. We what not become of him. And he said to them, Who is there any gold? Break it off. So they cast it the fire. And this is an extraordinary statement, is it? Out came a calf. Well, I've never heard of such a thing, have you? Put gold in the fire and out comes a calf. <laughs> Quite extraordinary, isn't it? And, and Moses saw the people were naked, etc., etc., etc. And this calf and this horn business and this bull business and horn business is all about Baal. But isn't it surprising to you that this was God's people that had been delivered out of Egypt, and now suddenly they're asking for a God. After they see mighty signs and wonders and miracles, and 
it shows to me that faith is something that's not seen with the, you know, people chase after men with miracles and signs and wonders. But if you've got Christ in you, you've got the miracle worker in you. You haven't got to run after somebody. As I said yesterday, some Arionic priesthood, you've got the great high priest with you. Haven't you? You've got Melchizedek with you, haven't you? Come on. You've got him, Christ. You've got entrance into his presence because you've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. As we just sung this song about, you know, we, got, we are new creations. We're his children. God is my father. God's looking after me. So why am I running to man when I can run to my great high priest? Isn't it? This is the point. But you see the subtlety of religion. I mean, this country has been overrun by religious gods, isn't it? Come on, you haven't got to be very intelligent to notice that, have you? You don't even need a brain. You know, we've got all these different gods in this country, haven't we? Causing all these different problems with all different ideas. Well, this is Israel. They're overrun by these gods, Baal in particular. And Baal was a very cruel religion. It was a religion based on prosperity and productivity of the land, and they actually believed that if they didn't give their firstborn child through the fire of Moloch to this god Baal, they'd lose their produce of their land, they'd lose their prosperity, and they'd all have famine and die. What a lie, isn't it? What a lie that is. That's Baal. Well, we know a lot of people are sacrificing their children. They don't put them in a fire in Moloch, they do something else with them that you know about. Nothing's changed. That's it. This God of Baal keeps surfacing. I was in McCuntleth, and I've been there recently, and I was in a bookstore, a, you know, a second-hand bookstore on the, on the street, and I saw this book on the flood. I said, it's a big book, and it was three pounds. I thought, oh, I'll buy that, it's only three pounds. looked about a 25-pound book. It probably wasn't you took it home, and this man wrote this book in the 94, 95, and they've now found, they've just acknowledged, the archaeologists and all these people, you know, that there was a flood because they got geological, archaeological artifacts and all this stuff, you know, and they found all this, like the Dead Sea has got another coastline about 30 or 40 feet below the present water level with a coastline, and they got all this stuff down there and bits and pieces that people had, you know, Cups and saucers, and well, I don't know what it is, and all that sort of stuff, you know, that they had. And, uh, and you know, there's this stupid God of Baal again. They, got, they found images down there. This God of Baal. These bullhorns and all this. And, and what's extraordinary to me, too, is, let's read this in Kings now. This is Kings... Chapter 12, 1 Kings chapter 12. And um, you remember when Solomon died, he had Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there was a revolt because they taxed the people too much, the sons of Solomon. So half of Israel said, we fed up with Solomon's offspring. Uh, Israel to your tents. We're going to set up a new capital, and you, Judah, and Benjamin can have Jerusalem in the temple, and we're going north to Samaria. So that's why you had Israel and Judah in the kings, right? Two kingdoms with two different kings, which wasn't right, I know. But, and you know what they set up? Two golden calves to worship in the northern kingdoms. These are God's people. 
This is Baal. You see, the flesh is very powerful, isn't it? There's something, you know, this, this God of Baal, you had temples of woman prostitutes and temples of male prostitutes. Think about it. God's house. These are God's people. This is Baal. We wonder why Israel's lost their land. We wonder why God took them out. Because they allowed this evil, God, ungodly worship to get into their land. And God sent them Isaiah, Jeremiah, sent them all these prophets and warned them. He said, if you don't stop worshipping these gods, these foreign gods, you're going to lose your land. But they couldn't break it. But here, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to see with Gideon, there's something quite remarkable here. And I'm coming to see there are four steps, and I want you to get this. This is what the Holy, the Holy Spirit said to me. You and I live in a type of church that is really messed up, but we don't need to be messed up. We can be a remnant that believe in the true God, one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. We've got to learn to hold the head. We mustn't tolerate people who think you can just do what you like. You can't with God. God is a holy God. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. He will not tolerate this kind of behavior. And I know I've got friends in the Church of England and go signing where I am, and they're very disturbed about things that are happening in the church. And they say we should allow this and allow that and allow the other because we've got to be loving. You know, he said, they're all very subtle, isn't it? And this poor old Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Belbin, he's a good bloke, but he's, he's, he's like being squeezed. You should pray for him that God will give him wisdom to stand up for the truth. Stand up for what is sound doctrine, that he doesn't allow these wacky bishops to mess him up with vain deceits and all this nonsense. You know, and we as God's people, God will show you when you go home if there's something grieving the Holy Spirit. You see, the deception, the vain deceit, as I read to you in Colossians, is something deceitful that even you don't really know until the Holy Spirit says to you, stop it. Until the Holy Spirit puts the light on it to reveal it to you, you don't really know it's wrong. Joash obviously didn't know it was wrong to have an altar of Baal, did he? He wouldn't have done it if he really thought it would bring a curse on him. And, it, it, and uh, you see, until God revealed what was causing the persecution, the impoverishment, the famine, and all the downtrodden things in the lives of God's people, and Gideon now, he gets his anointing. Now, he gets his anointing. And he said, messengers through Manasseh, and he gathered all these people together from Nathalie, and Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, I will put this fleece of wool. And remember, we talk about Gideon's fleece. You know, it's, it's quite a, a well-known scripture. And if somebody said, don't try a fleece, because if you do, you'll get fleeced. And I think it's about right, that is. I don't think you need to put any fleeces. I, you just need to hear from God. I don't think this is a, you know, this is something. I remember when I worked... In my job, uh, if the Secretary of State was asked a house in the, um, of state for transport, was asked a, house, a question in the House of Parliament, we had to find out whether they had ever been asked before. 
And the, the problem with this is, you know, it could have been asked 10 years ago, you know. So, yeah, stupid us lot, I've got to try and find out whether this has ever been asked before, whether there's a precedent to this. And the point about it is, this is not something we want to follow. No, this is not a precedent. I don't think we, I think we'd be fleeced if we put a fleece out. You don't, God, is, God speaks to you through his word, and the Holy Spirit witnesses to it. But anyway, it's here, here, Gideon fleece. And it's quite extraordinary, actually, how God is so patient with him. And, and this is it. They, and they rose up and they pitched up. Anyway, they got, he got his message from God. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many to give the Midianites into thy hand. And this is the reason why God said, vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. You know, there's something about God. He wants all the glory. All the glory. All of it. And if we give him all the glory, we'll get the glory. And that's as simple as that, isn't it? We get the glory. And, 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 uh, and therefore, go and prove, proclaim the ears of people who is ever fearful and afraid, let them return. And they returned to their people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. So 22 people were shaking their knees. And he was left with 10,000 people against a, a host of 135,000. But that's still not very good odds, is it? 10,000 and 135,000. But it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> and the Lord said, bring, bring the too many people, he says. Bring them down to the water and I will try them. And it shall be Go with the same good, etc., etc. And he brought them down to the people of water. Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shall I set by himself. And likewise, everyone that bows down his knees to drink. And the number that lapped the hand were 300 men. And the rest didn't. Well, see, the point about it is there's some people. They got their snout in the trough all the time. They're like this. They're not looking at anything. They couldn't, they, the enemy was coming. They wouldn't know. They got their snout in the trough. So the rest of them, the three, only 300 men had one weapon in one hand, and they were lapping it up with the other and drinking. Is anybody coming? But the other lot just got their head in the trough. God says they're no good. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. You don't, walk, you don't walk, walk around looking stupid, do you? I remember as a little boy, I was eight years old, and I was fascinated by something coming down the road, and I walked straight into a metal lamppost. And I had a big mark right down my head. I was remember, I was about eight. No, you've got to look where you're going. And these, this lot, <laughs> this lot, this lot had a weapon in one hand and were lapping with the other. So Gideon is now left with 300 men against 135,000. Quite ridiculous, isn't it? But it's like Zechariah 4 says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Isn't it? God's going to get the glory, isn't he? And you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing when we give God the glory, 
because he just comes down. Everything becomes easy. I mean, this is ridiculous, isn't it? 300 men against 135,000. And um, lapped in their hands, and the Midianites, and the children at least like grasshoppers, a multitude, their camels without number, as sand by the sea. And Gideon came, and behold, there was a man, and he gives them this dream, etc., etc., and you can read all this. And it was so when Gideon heard the dream, he worshipped and returned, and he said, Arise, for the Lord had delivered the hand of hosts of Midian into our hands. Now, how is it that this man, Gideon, one minute is saying, I can't do any of this. I'm from the poorest tribe. I'm not a mighty man of valor. And are you with us, Lord? But he went through a process. And when we're facing something, we have to go through this. He, he made an offering. He built an altar. He pulled down those things that were destroying Israel. Baal. He pulled down the asterisk poles. He cut down the grove and he burnt the lot. And God then, and as soon as he obeyed God, he says he got anointed. He got anointed. <laughs> Do you want the anointing? There's a price. Oh yeah, you've got to come God's way. And what seemed absolutely impossible, now he says, we're going to get him. <laughs> we're going to get him. <laughs> we're going to destroy all this host. I mean, that's what the anointing does. It gives you the power to see the great I am. You've got to understand, when you obey God, we, God is almighty, isn't he? Jesus has got all power in heaven and earth. Come on. He's sitting on the throne. But also with Jesus is an angelic host. The word of God keeps calling him the Lord of hosts. We've got to get a conception of who we are and who we belong to. But we've got to follow. We've got to walk in the ways. We've got to walk, as we said yesterday, on this new and living way. Isaiah says it's a highway. As I said to you yesterday, it's been brilliantly built. This new and living way has got wonderful engineering in it. Jesus has built it. Our Father has built it. And we've got this way to walk on. We can walk in the Spirit on this road, in the midst of all this. And here we got Gideon, he's a completely changed man. Well, you can be a changed person. Yeah, your thinking can be changed. Your whole attitude to life can be changed. Yeah, it can. And God will help us to be, have a different attitude. I want you to know that God's called you. And God says to you, I am with you. The great I am is with you, if you're a child of God. He's called you, and God is with you, but you've got to sacrifice. I don't know, God will tell you what to give. There's all, if, if you're looking for something, you're going to have to give something. You're, well, your first fruits, as we heard last night, you've got Jesus, God, God the Father gave his first fruit. Jesus is the first begotten. If you can keep, give your first fruits, and then when God says to you, bring an offering like he did, and then you build an altar in your heart, and as you build that altar, that fire will come down on that altar. 
Oh, you'll get assurance then. You will know assurance in your spirit. Wow. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. Yes. You will feel it. You will experience it. You know, was Pentecost intellectual? Oh, no. It was experiential. Those people were absolutely empowered. Weren't they? We need empowering. We need firing. You know, you can have a boiler, and if the jolly flame goes out in it, nothing happens. Is it? And you have to call the engineer, and you say, my flame's gone out. But some people, their flame's gone out. Well, God wants to put your flame back. You can get, get fired up. Isn't it? Get fired up. And I believe then you will have a breakthrough. You will have a breakthrough. Whatever's stopping you, you can have a breakthrough. But there's a price. There's a pathway. There's a journey you and I have got to go through. You know, Irene and I have been through some stuff. So Eric and I were talking today. We, we look at one another and we think, we're still here. How are we still here after all the stuff we've been through? But we're still here. At the grand old age of whatever it is I am. <laughs> oh, I tell you. I, I tell you, I don't fully understand all this battle plan. I, I honestly haven't got a full revelation. Maybe Julia has or somebody. I don't know quite what all this trumpet business is. Picture and a light. <laughs> but it, it obviously worked, didn't it? This trumpet business, a pitcher and lamps. But uh, this trumpet business is quite a, you know, it's a sort of uh, proclamation thing, isn't it? I think Derek Prince says, you've got to trumpet the word of God, proclaim the word of God, he used to say. And then there's a lot in this. I think, as David Shipman said, uh, one of the meetings, and I, I do my proclamation every morning. And, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah. You proclaim over your life who you are and what you are in Christ. Get your mind centered on him and your Father God and the Holy Spirit. There is something in this. But this trumpet, picture, thing, and, and every man's hand was a picture, a lamp within a picture and a trumpet. And he said, and blow the trumpet, and they all blew the trumpet, and they said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And, and these people just, well, they just destroyed themselves. 135,000 got wiped out. It, it's, it's, it's miraculous, isn't it? Do you know the anointing is miraculous? It is. It's tremendous. This is not natural, it's supernatural. Isn't it? This is something spiritual. We're talking about a spiritual dimension of something that is different, it's heavenly. It comes down on your life, fire, and it burns. Oh, I tell you, no wonder the prophet, as we read the other morning, he feels like fire, he said, shut up in my bones. God wants to put you on fire. He does. He wants you to have this power in your life, this glory. And, and he says, you know, it, 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 it's just a tremendous victory. And these 300 men blew the trumpet. 
Every man's sword against his fellow through it, and they fled. And the men of Israel gathered, and they poured after them. And they took these princes, and they killed them. And they took an enormous amount of spoil. You know, Paul's always on about the spoil. Do you know with a victory, they're spoil? <laughs> yeah, they're spoil. And I believe, you know, the Lord will help us to make our offering, to build our altar, so that when we do that, we get anointed. And when we get anointed, we can say, I can do this. I can do this, but suddenly, Baal no longer is dominating your thinking, but you've got to tear it down. You've got to burn it. You've got to get rid of it out of your life. Whatever that thing is in your life, you know, and I know, it can be anything. The Holy Spirit will show you. I'm not here to say what it is, but the Holy Spirit will show you. He's here to tell you what's grieving him. And so we got the ministry of the Father, haven't we? The ministry of the Son, of God, our great high priest, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And they're here to guide us and lead us. And I would say to you that the Lord Jesus Christ is your great I am. You are a mighty man and woman of God. Come on. You can do this. You can do this. And you can make, and, I, and the Lord is with you. And you cannot sacrifice. Don't let Baal, in whatever form it is, destroy your spiritual life and impoverish you. It will impoverish you. I don't know what it is. You know, there are things that can be almost, I think Paul says, you know, they're not particularly sinful. They can be sinful things, but there can be things that are just hindering you spiritually, just stopping you really entering in. You know, when I was studying prayer, um, I think it was a few weeks ago, and I, it was... I was looking at this and I was reading some old writers and they are of the understanding that you have to get into the holiest to get your prayer answered. You have to enter in. And this old preacher said a lot of people think they're praying and they're not. They're just saying words. And, you know, I do think that, you know, underneath all this with Gideon, he was very dissatisfied with the way things were. And the problem for us is the most dangerous condition that can happen to us as God's people, we think, we think whatever will be, will be. Come sarah, sarah. That's the worst thing you can do. If things are not working, we need to say, why isn't it working? Why isn't my prayer being answered? Why isn't this happening? We've got to ask the Lord. And Gideon asked the questions, and he got the instructions, and he got the result. (laughs) Yeah, I like that, don't you? It cost him something. They wanted to kill him. But you know, when you do what God says, he'll stand up for you. He'll stand up for you. The Lord of hosts is with you. You've got to be bold now, haven't you? He had to be bold to kill, get two of his father's bullocks and sacrifice one and just cut everything down and burn it, you know. 
He must have been very upset in the morning. He must have thought this bale was wonderful. It stinketh. Religion stinks. It's leaven. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They go around laying heavy burdens on people. But Jesus comes and liberates us. He sets us free. Isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah. Oh, we've got a wonderful God, haven't we? Our Father is interested in you. God has called you. God is with you. Do your sacrifice and you'll have your breakthrough. It's wonderful. I believe, you know, as I said to Tony this morning, I've been down some pits. I have. I've been down the bottom of the pit and I said, Lord, I don't feel this is very fair. I'm, I was having a big pity party and the Lord said, what about Job? He said, you haven't lost all your goods, you haven't lost all your children. I said, but I'm pretty bad, Lord, I'm pretty bad. And this is Gideon. I mean, Gideon saying, why has all this happened to us? But you can come out. <laughs> I've come out. <laughs> you can come out. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you can come out. I was the old donkey, but I'm more than an old donkey now. <laughs> You can come out. It's wonderful, isn't it? You know, the Lord's always got a way to get us out, but we've just got to follow him, haven't we? Just got to follow him. It's wonderful. I'm so thankful to the Lord. Don't compromise like Joash. Joash was a compromiser, wasn't he? He was a compromiser, Gideon's father. But God put enough courage in Gideon and boldness See, that's why the scripture says, indeed, with boldness we enter in. And the old preachers used to say, if you haven't got boldness, you will not enter in. Because you'll be intimidated by whatever's trying to attack your mind and your body and your spirit. God is always there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's looking for you to come home. You know, um, I was recommending that John is going to get this book. I said to John about this book about the prodigal. This minister in America. And what amazes me is Father God is always waiting to receive you in his home. Isn't he? When you stray. So whatever Joash had done to Gideon, God showed Gideon how to get rid of what was destroying them. Baal. Baal is subtle, isn't it? It's false worship. You know, as we've heard, and um, I think, um, as he said, these are serious times, and serious times need serious measures to put them right. And they are. They are. I was amazed when I read this book about the flood, how, they, how the flood was caused through a rampant worship of Baal. It brought the flood. God said, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. And he sent the flood. And I tell you, this next flood is not going to be water. Oh, 
It's going to be fire. It's going to be fire. And I tell you what, that's why we need the fire. You know, I'm coming to see in my life that God has put up with a lot in my life, but now he says to me, I tolerate none of it anymore in your life. None of it. Why? Because he wants me to be on fire. He prepared that altar and the fire came down. And once he understood that God was with him, he could obey God and tear down all that stuff. And then he got anointed. You want the anointing? Well, there's a way to get it. Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? Praise the Lord. I pray, Lord, for your people. We look at this situation in our church today, Lord. And we see how the enemy, the world and Baalimism and all this is coming. But we know there's a remnant here this morning. Who you're touching their hearts. There'll be one of those 300 men and women. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That will see the victory. That will get the breakthrough. And they'll experience the power of God. And they'll gather all the spoil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? We have a wonderful Father God. He's interested in your life. He can take you higher. He can take you deeper. So that you experience the wonderful things of God. A preacher said this. He said, um, Faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And that's right. Your faith is going to be tested. But if it, if it goes through the fire, the fire will test it, and it will work. This is the victory that overcometh this world, Baal and all its worshippers, even our faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, you're wonderful. We praise you, Lord, for goodness and mercy. Amen.